You're listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. Take your Bibles, if you will, to Genesis chapter number 6. Genesis chapter number 6, and we'll begin reading in verse number 5. And when you find your place there, if you're able... If you could please stand and honor the reading of the Word of God, Genesis chapter number 6, we'll begin reading in verse number 5. The Bible says, And God saw the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And it repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him at his heart. And the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast and the creeping thing and the fowls of the air, for it repenteth me that I have made them. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. These are the generations of Noah. Noah was a just man and perfect in his generations. And Noah walked with God. And Noah begat three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. The earth also was corrupt before God, and the earth was filled with violence. And God looked upon the earth, and behold, it was corrupt. For all flesh had corrupted his way upon the earth. And God said unto Noah, The end of all flesh is come before me, for the earth is filled with violence through them. And behold, I will destroy them, with the earth. And let's pray. Our Father, we thank you so much for your word. I thank you for the privilege to be in church today. I thank you for all the fathers that are here. And I pray this would be a special day for each and every one of them. I pray that the message today would be a help as we look at Genesis chapter 6. I pray that you'd speak to all of us is my prayer today in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. To this microphone, and uh, as I'm, as we're getting back into services and all that, it's so good to see some faces, uh, brother and Mrs. Hammett. Good to see your boys here with Father's Day, and you folks are a blessing, and we're so glad to see you, Mr. Patrick. We've been praying for you, and uh, Paul. We've been praying for you, my friend, and so many. It's just, it's so good just to start seeing uh, people and uh, people we've been praying for through all of this, and God is so. So good to us, that is for sure. In Genesis 6, we find the story of Noah. And of course, uh, you may think I'm preaching on this because uh, we got a lot of rain this week. Or maybe you're thinking because of all the, uh, the double rainbows we saw yesterday. I, believe it or not, I'd already uh, studied before all of that. But um, that's what we normally think about with Noah. We think of the flood. But did you know that there's another truth that we must see and we must, uh, we must pay attention to? And that is the fact that Noah was a godly father. You say, how do you know that? Well, I know that for a couple of reasons, but one reason was because Noah obeyed God. And as a result of Noah obeying God, after building an ark about a hundred years in building, when it came time to see if anybody was going to get on the ark, there were seven people besides Noah that got on. And you would say, oh, what a, what a failure and what a flop. And I would look at Noah's life and I would say, no, that's a success because his wife got on. 
his three boys and their wives got on board. You say, well, why would they do that? I believe it's because they saw in Noah a father that loved God. And Noah's wife, she saw in Noah a husband that loved God. Now, you might think, well, you know, that's good for Noah, but what about us? You don't understand. We live in a wicked world. We live in very difficult times. Did you notice the verses that Brother Dan read? It was a little wicked in Noah's day, too. As a matter of fact, it was very wicked. It was, the Bible says, that every imagination of the heart was only evil continually. It was so bad that God was ready to destroy the earth. He repented. The Bible says, literally, he wished he had never made man because of how wicked it became. I want you to notice as we jump into this passage, I've got a lot I want to try to say, but I want to preach about how to be a godly father in an ungodly world. You know, it's possible. Maybe we would say, well, it's not possible to be a a godly father or it's not possible to be a godly mother or it's not possible to be a godly teenager. I've got news for you. It is possible because if Noah could do it when nobody else was, you and I can do it as well. Notice Noah's days, his time period, uh, the environment in which he lived. Number one, his days were wicked days. I've used some words recently to describe the days we're living in. Uh, with the, the virus and the pandemic and all of that, uh, we have said these are crazy days. Uh, these are uncertain days. Uh, these are strange days that we're living in. Can I tell you, if you were going to describe Noah's day, you would say one word, wicked. These people in Noah's day, they were wicked. They were ungodly. Uh, they were vile. The Bible says it grieved God's heart. I don't want to grieve the heart of God. You say, well, I don't, I don't want to live for God and I don't want to serve God and all that. Well, well, maybe you don't for yourself. Well, can I say this? Think about what it would do to the heart of God. Think about the God that loves you so much. He sent his son to die for you. The God that created you, the God that gives you breath and the God that has given you life and the God that has given you so many blessings. I don't want my life to grieve the heart of God. I don't want my life to be a, 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 a grief to my Savior. Turn with me, if you would, to Matthew 24. We'll come back to Genesis 6. But Matthew 24 references the days of Noah. It's interesting, in Matthew 24, the assumption is made that you already know, you already realize that it was wicked in Noah's day, and that's why God destroyed the earth with a flood. It wasn't because the... Uh, weatherman got it wrong or it wasn't because of global warming or it wasn't because the, uh, you know, the uh, icebergs were melting. It was because God saw their wickedness and God said enough. But notice in uh, Matthew 24, verse number 37, the Bible says, but of that day and hour, excuse me, verse 37, but as the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the son of man be. Now that ought to get your attention. Wait a second. So there were some things going on in Noah's day that will also be going on when Jesus comes back. It says in verse number 38, for as in the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark and knew not until the flood came and took them all away. So shall also the coming of the son of man be. 
Turn with me, please, to Luke 17. Luke 17, we see another reference to Noah's day, but then we also see a reference to Lot and to Lot's day when God destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. Luke chapter 17, verse number 26. And as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be also in the days of the Son of Man. They did eat, they drank, they married wives, they were given in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. Verse 28, likewise also was it in the days of Lot. Now we know that in Genesis 6, God destroyed the earth because it was only evil continually. There was nobody living for God except one person. We know in Lot's day that God destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah because of the wickedness of Sodom. We know specifically Sodom, they were known for the homosexual lifestyle. As a matter of fact, when those angels went in, that's the first thing that they tried to do to those men. They tried to be uh, uh, immoral and perverted in a relationship with these strangers that had come into town. And, and God said, it's enough. And God said, I'm going to destroy Sodom. And Abraham said, God, would you spare the city? What if there's 50 righteous and it got down to 10? And God said, I'll, I'll spare the city if there's 10 righteous. And he couldn't find 10. God would have spared, I believe God would have spared the world from the flood had there been more, but there was only one. There was one man and his family, and so God said, Noah, I want you to build an ark. I'm going to spare you, and I'm going to deliver you from wrath, but the rest of the world was judged by God. But if you notice in Matthew 24 and Luke 17, the Bible doesn't mention the specific sins there. Now, I think we understand those were wicked time periods. They were, they were time periods that were, uh, were filthy. They were evil. But you know what's amazing? Here's what it says. In the days of Noah, here's what the people were doing. They were eating. They were drinking. And by the way, I am all for eating. As a matter of fact, I'm going to eat when this service is over. Anybody else with me on that? Are we for eating? We like to eat, Okay. And if you're not going to eat after the service is over, I hope you're eating sometime today or sometime this week. Uh, eating is a good thing. Drinking. Uh, as a matter of fact, we're providing your drink today, fathers. You got a bottle of Gatorade, you know? I mean, there's nothing wrong with eating. There's nothing wrong with drinking. It says they were marrying. There's nothing wrong with getting married. Uh, it says giving in marriage. Now, uh, I think it's okay to give away your children in marriage, you know, maybe when they're about 40 or something like that. But, you know, but you know what I'm talking about. But, but, but here's the deal. The Bible doesn't give the specifics in Matthew 24, but says when the Son of Man comes, it's going to be the same way. But here's what it does say. They were just living their lives without God. They were just too busy for God. They were just doing all their stuff and their schedule was so full of everything except for God. We read in Luke chapter 17, in the days of Lot, they ate, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they built it. Nothing wrong with those things. But they didn't have time for God. They were too busy for God. Can I tell you, God destroyed the world in Noah's day because of their wickedness. Man had lived without God, and when you live without God, eventually something is going to fill that void. You were created for fellowship with God. God created man to walk with man and to fellowship with man. But if you don't fill that void in your life, 
that belongs to God and God wants to have a relationship with you, if you don't fill it with God, it will be filled with something. And it'll be filled with the world, the flesh, and the devil. It'll be filled with sin. It'll be filled with wickedness. It'll be filled with anything and everything that can get in your heart when you don't put God at first place where he belongs. You say, well, pastor, how do we know these people were wicked? How do we know these people were godless? God says it in Genesis chapter 6, but, 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 but what is wickedness? Well, wicked, wickedness or evil deeds are not relative. God is the one who created this earth. I think we all would agree with that. God created this earth. God is the one that created you and he created me. And God gave us a set of laws. As a matter of fact, he gave the children of Israel a set of 10 laws, 10 laws to govern a nation. And you say, well, I don't agree with those Ten Commandments. Well, here's the beauty of it. You don't have to agree. You don't get to make the rules. <laughs> and I don't get to make the rules. God is the one that created this earth. God is the one that created you. God is the one that gives us life and breath. And God is the one who sets the rules. And God gave the children of Israel Ten Commandments in Exodus 20. And he said, thou shalt have no other gods before me. And can I tell you, if you and I, if we break that, that's wickedness. That is evil. That is sin in the sight of God to put anything or anyone in the place of God. The second commandment, thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image or, 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 or bow down or worship or serve them. There should be nothing that takes the place of God. The third commandment, thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. I'll tell you, we live in a society where uh, almost anywhere you go, you'll hear people that will use the name of the Lord in vain. And sometimes Christians will do that. And I think it's because we've just become desensitized. And I think it's because we've heard it so much. But God's name is not to be associated with a swear word. God's name is not to be associated with slang. God's word is not to be used. God's name is not supposed to be used flippantly. God's name is to be used with the utmost reverence and respect. And as Christians, may we not take the name of God in vain. Some do. Some break that commandment. Some break that law. And you say, well, pastor, there's more than 10 commandments. I know. I'm just giving you these as an example to show you that as, as a nation or as a society, we are becoming more and more wicked. We are getting further and further away from God. Here's one. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. I understand we are living in the New Testament age. We're living in the day of grace. And I understand that we don't worship God uh, on Saturday. Well, you ought to worship God on Saturday. You ought to worship Him every day. But we have set aside Sunday, the first day of the week, the day that Jesus rose from the grave. And we have made Sunday our day of worship. And can I tell you, I, I, I'm saddened. And I understand we're in a virus. And I understand all that. But I'm saddened that most Sundays... I don't care if it's before the virus or after the virus or whenever, but most Sundays, this church is an exception because this church is filled up. And this church has an early service to accommodate the crowds even before the virus. And this church has a, a Sunday night service and a Wednesday night service. And we don't believe that we need less church. We believe we need more church. But many churches across this land on Sundays... You could drive by the church and you took a look in the parking lot. You wouldn't know if there was a church service going on or not. 
If you walked inside the building, you, would, you couldn't tell. Is there just a few people here working on a project or are they having church? Because most churches sit empty. On the day that is set aside for the Lord and set aside to worship the Lord. And I know I'm preaching to the choir today because you're here. And I know I'm preaching to some people who would be here if they could be here. But they're trying to be careful and cautious and with health. I understand all that. But here's what I'm saying is the shopping malls on Sunday, they're full. The lakes and the rivers and the oceans and the, the beaches and the mountains are full. And the sports arenas are full. But can I tell you, as God's people, we must get back to honoring God and remembering His day and putting Him first. Here's the commandment. Honor thy father and mother. I understand this is Father's Day. It's be a good day to talk about this, but I think we ought to honor our fathers. You say, well, but my father's not a Christian or my father's not living for God or my father has got some issues or whatever. It doesn't matter. You ought to still respect your father. You ought to still reverence your father. You ought to have uh, the right attitude towards your father. You ought to try to have a relationship with your father. You ought to pray for your father. You ought to tell your father you love him. You say, well, he's never told me he loves me. That doesn't matter. You ought to be the one to say, dad, I love you. You ought to be the one to love and respect and honor that father that God has given you. I've thought so much in recent weeks. I'm sure you have too. But they, they, they show on the news. It's amazing what they show on the news. And some of it, I don't know what to believe and what not to believe. But they show on the news these videos of, of, of masses of people going down the streets and taking objects and, and hurling objects at police officers. They show people that are taking uh, bricks and taking stones and other objects and smashing windshields of police vehicles or other vehicles. They'll smash in the fronts of businesses and you've seen the videos probably or if not, you can watch them. They'll show videos where, where masses of people are going into uh, a place of business and coming out with their arms full, stealing, robbing that store, something that does not belong to them. And, and, and you've seen those things. And the first thing you got to think is, what in the world are these people doing? That's not right. I don't, I, don't care, I don't care what political party you're associated with. That is not right any way you look at it. But I'll tell you this. Here's another thought I've had. Where are the fathers? Where are the dads in the home? Can I tell you, many of you in this room, if you ever thought about doing something like that, you wouldn't have been worried about the police catching you. You would have been worried about daddy getting a hold of you. You would have begged to go to the police. You would have begged to be incarcerated. You would have begged to be arrested because at least you might live. But if daddy got a hold of you, you may not make it through that. And I wonder, where are the dads? And maybe the fact that we're seeing this in our nation, maybe it's because there are not godly fathers. And there are not men in the homes. And there has not been someone to say, son, this is how you act. Young lady, this is how we act in our home. And this is how we live. And here's what the Bible says. And let me tell you about what God's word says for your life. We must get back to honoring our fathers. And we need you fathers in the home. We need you to be the example. 
We need you to walk with God and we need you to do what's right and we need you to love uh, your family and we need you to love a God and we need you to serve God so that there is a, a pattern and an example that the children can follow. I won't get through all these commandments, but how about this one? Thou shalt not kill. We live in a society and Genesis 6 says in verse 11 that the earth was also corrupt before God and the earth was filled with violence. That's the day we're living in right now. We live in a violent society. And I'll tell you this right now, people aren't violent and people aren't acting like they're acting because they watched too much Elmer Fudd when they were a kid. That's not the root of that. I will promise you that. It's amazing that we have a generation that is uh, uh, taken over with violence and we don't have enough sense to say, I wonder where they got that from. We don't have enough sense to say, I wonder what they're watching from Hollywood. I wonder what they're listening to with the music that promotes violence and promotes killing and promotes killing police officers and those in authority. And you think that's okay? I got news for you. God's word still says, thou shalt not kill. The world was destroyed because of the violence that was there. We are living in a violent society and we apparently have not figured out yet the video games that children play and the gore and the filth and the violence that is in those video games. And then we wonder why kids act out what they've been filling their minds with. I'll give you another cure for violence. How about we start talking about the drugs and the alcohol that are related to so much of the violence that we see? It's amazing how people are quiet about those things. But if we truly want to see our nation come back to a place of, of law and order and to be under control and to not have the violence that we have, we've got to identify some problems. And most of those problems go back to the home. Most of those problems go back to the individual. Thou shalt not commit adultery. That has become commonplace in our world. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not bear false witness. I, I tell you, it's, it's so sad. And I'm not just talking about the news media right now. But there are some people, I don't know. I don't know if they know how to tell the truth anymore. I think some people believe their own lies now. Some people just can't tell the truth, but God's people, we must get back to the truth and thou shalt not covet. Say, so, well, pastor, why are you talking about all this? And why are you talking about all this wickedness? Well, if wickedness destroys a nation, and I know it does, somebody needs to say something about it. Somebody needs to speak up against the wickedness. Proverbs 14, righteousness exalted the nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. In Genesis 6, this was worldwide wickedness. God was ready to destroy the whole thing, everything, and he would have except there was one man. And that one man was Noah. I see Noah's days, number one, but number two, I see his desire. His desire was to please God. 
His desire was not to fit in with the crowd. His desire was not to be popular. His desire was not to make a lot of money. He said, I just want to please God. Notice in verse number nine, he was a just man. He was perfect in his generations. And Noah walked with God. You say it's so hard to live for God because we live in a wicked world. I agree we live in a wicked world. But if Noah could walk with God, then so can you and so can I. Noah didn't have Victory Baptist Church. He didn't have a, a local church of people to encourage him. He didn't have a Sunday school class that he could go to. He didn't have the Bible like what we have today. He didn't have the Holy Spirit living inside of him. But Noah said, I am going to walk with God. And he did. And his desire was to please God. Can I tell you, I hope that's your desire Fathers, I hope that's your desire today. You want to be a godly father, you got to know God. You want to be a godly father, you got to love God. You got to walk with God. You got to serve God. You got to stay true to God. Noah didn't make excuses. He didn't blame it on the society. He didn't blame it on the government. He didn't blame it on the neighborhood. Noah said, I will walk with God. And he did. His days, number one, were wicked. His desire, number two, he found grace. Number three, his dedication. His dedication was to build an ark, but his dedication was more than that. His dedication was to raise a family. You see, while he was building an ark, he didn't lose his family. And while he was raising his family, he stayed committed to the work of God of building an ark. The Bible tells us in the book of Jude that Noah was a preacher of righteousness for 120 years. You say, why did it take so long? Well, first of all, that's a big project. If you've ever seen the, the ark uh, in uh, Kentucky that they have uh, uh, structured and they have built after the pattern and after the, uh, the dimensions found in the Bible, it's amazing. It's amazing that they could build it in a thousand years. But they built it. It took a hundred years about. But that wasn't just time building. That was time for Noah to preach and for people to have an opportunity to get saved and for people to repent, and for people to come to God. And God prepared Noah, and Noah prepared the ark, and Noah raised his family for God. He was dedicated. Hebrews 11, it says, By faith Noah prepared an ark uh, to the saving of his family, by which he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness which is by faith. You know, we like to see results overnight. We like things to be done immediately. We like to say, I'm going to live for God today and then I want all the blessings right now. But that's not the way God works. God's plans take time. God is not in a hurry. We don't always understand it. In this case, I'm sure while Noah was building, he didn't understand why it was taking so long and why God was waiting so long to judge the world. But God had a plan. God made a covenant with Noah, chapter 6, verse 18. Chapter 8, verse 1, God remembered Noah. I love this, Genesis chapter 9 and verse number 1, the Bible says, and God blessed Noah. That's what we need, fathers. That's what we need, men. That's what we need, mothers. That's what we need, teenagers. That's what we need, senior saints. We need the blessing of God. We need the favor of God. We need God to look down and say, I am pleased in that person. Not for salvation. You don't get saved because you're a good person. But once you get saved, there ought to be a desire to please God. 
I see Noah's days were wicked. His desire was that he found grace. His dedication was that he built an ark and he raised a family for God. But then I see, lastly, I see his deliverance. Would you turn with me, please, to the New Testament, the end of the New Testament, 1 Peter chapter 3. 1 Peter 3, while you're turning there, I love the passage and the, the Dixons, they sang about this passage. But it says in Titus chapter 2, in verse number 13, it says we're looking for the blessed hope. You say, well, what is the blessed hope that they were singing about? What is that event? The blessed hope of the believer is when Jesus comes back. And I can't wait for the day he comes back. I believe it soon. And if you don't believe that, take a look at the days of Noah and take a look at the days we're living in. And I'll tell you, friend, I believe it's got to be close. But Titus 2 says this, verse 11. For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared unto all men. Everybody's got an opportunity to be saved, just like everybody had an opportunity to repent in Noah's day. You say, well, pastor, the ark wasn't big enough for everybody. I know. Had they repented, God wouldn't have had to send the flood. But God was willing to save anybody. He was willing to listen and to hear of those that called upon him. It's found right here, uh, Titus 2, verse 12. Here's, uh, here's where I was going. Teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. God wants us to live godly right here and right now. While we are looking for, verse 13, that blessed hope. I was getting ahead of myself. Look, look with me if you would at 1 Peter uh, chapter 3. 1 Peter chapter 3. It says in verse number 20, 1 Peter 3, verse 20, which sometime were disobedient. When once the long-suffering of God waited in the days of Noah while the ark was a-preparing, wherein few, that is, eight souls, were saved by water. You know what's amazing to me? Is we see in the story of Noah the fact that it took so long for that boat to be built. That is a picture of the long-suffering and the patience of God. I'll tell you, I'm glad that God is patient with me. Some of you in this room, I got saved at an early age, but maybe some of you, you didn't get saved till later in life. But aren't you glad that God was patient with you and God was long-suffering? Maybe some in this room, after you got saved, maybe you got away from God, or maybe there were some things in your life that were not right. Aren't you so glad that God is a God who is long-suffering and He is merciful and He is patient and He is gracious and God is patient with us. I'm so thankful for His deliverance. But then notice 2 Peter chapter, uh, 2 Peter chapter 2. It says in verse 5, And spared not the old world, but save Noah, the eighth person, a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood upon the world of the ungodly. Verse 9, the Lord knoweth how to deliver the godly out of temptations and to reserve the unjust under the day of judgment to be punished. You know what that tells us? God knows how to take care of his people. God knows how to deliver us. God knows how to give us victory. God knows how to get us through the problems we're facing. You say, but you don't know what I've got going on. Well, you don't know the God who's got it all under control because he is able to deliver. He's able to rescue. As in the days of Noah, 
so shall it be in the coming of the Son of Man. Friend, I want to tell you, I believe Jesus is coming so soon. You say, but what are we going to do? Oh, we don't have to worry about that because God has promised He will deliver us. You know what that deliverance is for the child of God? Before God sends His judgment upon this world, the seven years of tribulation, you know what God's plan is for His people? It's a rescue. It's called the rapture. It's when the trumpet sounds and we are raptured out of here. We are caught up out of here. And as judgment comes on this world, we have been saved. We have been rescued. We've been delivered from the judgment. Oh, God had a plan for Noah. God prepared an ark. You're here today and you've never been saved. God's got a plan for you. He sent His Son Jesus to die on an old rugged cross so that you could be saved from the judgment of hell. You could be saved from a lake of fire. You could be saved from eternal condemnation. Maybe you're here today and you have been saved. I wonder, what's your desire? I hope we have a desire to find grace in the eyes of God. What's your dedication? What, what are you committed to? Noah was committed to building an ark, but he was also committed to raising a family. And then what is it that God has to deliver you from? Maybe you need to be saved. That's the first thing. But if you've been saved, maybe you've got a burden. Maybe it's a sickness. Maybe it's a financial need. Maybe it's a job situation. I don't know what it is. But can I tell you this? If God could rescue and deliver Noah from a worldwide flood, God can rescue and God can deliver you. Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. For more information about our ministry, please visit our website at vbcrr.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week. Thank you.